Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And today I have with us Mark Riggs from Fit Tracks out of Seattle, Washington. How are you doing today, Mark? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. So, to be here. Yeah, so I know Mark quite well, obviously, as we're on the podcast, just so the audience knows. But I mean, and you were on the uh, Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast, but not a lot of people um, listen to both. I think there's select audiences. We have entrepreneurs in the food space that listen to this podcast and then sort of the leadership business aspect. So maybe there's probably about 20 to 30% um, crossover. So if anyone's already listened to Mark, you you know some of his story, but we're going to get less in the leadership aspect like we did on the Centurion Leadership podcast and more into Mark's sort of where he started, how he built a business, and why he built FitTracks. So, um, Mark, I'm sort of going to turn the show over to you and ask some questions, but, you know, let's start at the beginning. What interests you in food in the first place? Um, yeah, great question, um, and one that I get actually quite often. So, uh, so I started washing dishes when I was 15 years old. And, and, you know, I grew up blue collar family and, you know, parents taught us good work ethics and to always just work hard. And so at a younger age, you know, it was kind of like how to get a job to, to get the things that, that I wanted to buy, you know, first was, you know, bought my own bicycle to not the first one, but, you know, I wanted like the mountain bike to be cool with everybody. Right. And so I had to like make money. And so, um, I got a job as a dishwasher and, you know, that's kind of, how I started things and, and I've always enjoyed cooking. I've always been interested in flavors and how things are done from like working and or cooking with, you know, my grandparents, my grandma's mostly um, doing like grandma's fried chicken, making berry cobblers and just being in the kitchen with them is, and always learning uh, food. And I just loved to eat and taste flavors and, and how things worked. And so always something I, enjoyed and then you know as i grew up in boy scouts as well and we did a lot of like open fire cooking you know with dutch ovens and all that kind of stuff and so that's where at a younger age i was just introduced to different styles of cooking and flavors and how to do stuff and you know something i was interested in and once i got into dishwashing it was kind of my foot in the door right and so um and then one day some cook didn't show up and uh, the chef came to me and needed some help. And so, and after that shift, he was basically like, Hey, you know, you, you, you're a good guy. You work hard. You're, you're very coachable. Um, if you continue to show up and work hard, I'll basically train you and I'll teach you everything I know. And this was, you know, I grew up in a uh, French kitchens. And so it was kind of, it was very old school. Um, but it was also just a lot of like working from scratch and, doing making our own sauces and everything was done in the kitchen it wasn't nothing was pre-bought you know pre-made type thing we we made it all so i was very fortunate to have that exposure and the mentors and the chefs at a young age um to do that and so that's where that's where i started at let's pause for a second mark so let's go back to um when you were a kid and cooking and stuff because i think that's a big deal because i'm i'm in the food space as well and my grandmother cooking italian food and just you know and the baking and stuff like that and you know i was just talking to deborah about this 
which is like, I want to do more of that. Like, you know, that with all the success in life and then the not success in life, um, that sort of happened. But during those times, you sort of forget your roots and where you began and, and getting your fingers in the food. And it's just, so hearing this, it's really important. It just brings me back. So the first question I'm going to ask is what was your favorite food? You know, when you were a kid, to cook with either one of your grandmothers and eat. And then the second question is, is the open fire thing and the Boy Scouts and things like that, like there's some really cool things you learn there. So again, what was your favorite food to then cook on those open fires? <laughs> and that's a good question. It's taken me down memory lane as well. So um, uh, going with the grandmas, you know, my, my, I think my oldest fondest memory is and my, my grandma's neither of them are, are with me today so it's something that i get to um think back on with with you guys as we're talking about it so it's very um it's good but uh i would say you know grandma telling us giving us a big plastic bowl and telling us go fill it up with blackberries and she'll make us blackberry cobbler and so just me and my three brothers we'd go out there and we'd pick all these blackberries fill up as much as we could Cause we're like, Oh, we want our own blackberry cobbler. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and then we bring them all back. And of course we're out there picking and eating and getting, you know, one brother would get on their hands and knees and the other brother would stand on their back to get the big berries up top. Right. And so all that kind of stuff. And, and this was back in the day, obviously when like grandparents and parents would be like, Hey, go, go out and play and don't come back until the, yeah. until night and, and, and that type of thing. So, having three brothers and cousins and all that stuff. It yeah, would be exactly. a lot of fun. But, uh, and then going home and then she would make blackberry cobbler, make the dumplings, put the dumplings in there and like show us how to do that. So that was one of my, uh, and just like now, even nowadays, like that's the blackberry cobbler I make uh, to this day. And so I may make a couple of, you know, seasonality adjustments, but um, that's, that's how I was taught how to cook. And, uh, you know, my grandparents are, were all Nebraska Midwest. And so that's where they kind of brought those flavors yeah. over. So that's my, that's my, my favorite one that from my grandma. I grew up on um, a farm and we had wild blackberries and raspberries as well. Yeah. And it's just, I wasn't going to say that, but I do have memories of those type of things, like the jellies and the cobblers and the pies. Like I still like even apples cause we had apple trees on the East coast on the farm like apple pies is like my favorite oh, thing on the yeah. like i'm not a i don't like chocolate i'll eat it but it's like i don't have a sweet tooth like that but you give me a pie like a good pie like i'm like okay like <laughs> now we're talking here and yeah so, oh, I'll, I'll i'll smash a pie any day like i'm a pie over cake person yeah. so yeah and cheesecake is somewhere in there for me i'm not sure where but the pie thing <laughs> is just like it's a whole new world once you get into yeah. pies like especially if you yeah. make them fresh from the berries which i just think is just so cool to like turn it right from the berries into a pie um oh yeah, yeah or yeah. apples and, or whatever and especially now with all the and, and i'm sure we'll get into that more but like no no insecticides pesticides nothing being spread on it's like we're going into the woods to pick blackberries and it's <laughs> yeah. they're, they're on they're untouched and you can really taste that difference and yeah just the freshness in that so cool so how about the open fire uh oh man we cooked open fire we did everything from you know obviously the s'mores at night to making little like 
you know, get some foil, cut up some potatoes, maybe throw some like peppers and onions in there, or a little like nub of butter and then like some seasonings and like wrap it up in foil and throw it in coals. And there's you getting some roasted potatoes and, and uh, just stuff like that to, you know, we were cooking, cooking steaks, cooking, you know, chicken, you know, kebabs was, was a big thing in scouts. Um, we also did uh, big Dutch ovens. So we would always like, there was like Dutch oven cooking classes that we could go to and attend like during like summer camps, um, which is like really cool to learn because it's all about. That's incredible. It's all about like, I mean, there was guys like we were stacking Dutch ovens up and like building like coals and fires all around it. So it's playing with temperatures, you know, you're outdoors. And so all the elements, you have to really understand those and what's happening. Is there a little bit of breeze? You know, that's going to make a cold spot somewhere and and how close the coals are to your cooking surface and just always playing with temperatures. And, you know, we made everything from, you know, cobblers and breakfast stratas to, you know, dinner, like kind of more of those one pot wonders. It's all in a Dutch oven thing. Right. And then, you know, sometimes we would take, you know, the Dutch oven, there'd be a couple Dutch ovens on top and that's where you'd like sear steaks and cook steaks, kind of like an open pan. But, um, man, you know, what my, my favorite one was, I don't know. I think one of my, the biggest memories I think I have is like of like breakfast, like a breakfast strata type where it's just layers, kind of like a breakfast lasagna type thing, just like layered of bread, eggs, sausages, and it's all in there. And then, you know, when you're out camping, you know, you build up an appetite. <laughs> and so uh, we would always, that was my favorite breakfast there. And so Deborah still uh, makes that for us, but we do it in an oven now, a similar thing, which is like sure. the casserole. Almost, it's almost a casserole in a way with all yeah. the layers, but it is a lasagna. I agree with you. If you layer it in, yeah. it's just ridiculous and green chilies and stuff like that and just mm-hmm. delicious. Um, but I think one of the important things that you're talking about there is how easy it is to cook with fire if you understand it. And it's like, you know, I think we get a lot into the pellets right now. It's the smokers or the big, you know, craze right now. Everyone's buying the, the yeah. smokers outside. And, you know, I'm still a traditional grill, like natural gas, I guess, over propane, propane. But I just like those because I, I can deal with the temperatures and the runoff. But I see the point in all the different things. But one of the things I love about Dutch ovens is the way it contains flavors. I mean, you, yes, I agree. You sear the steaks on top, top and you layer them. But... If anyone is curious out there, I mean, you're taking really cooking technique all the way back to the way we started cooking things back in the day. We made clay pots and we figured out how to cook them on the fire and like boil water like on the fire and in the fire and cook fish in the fire. Yes, And so, and it was protected therefore the you know the way we think about it it wasn't an open flame so there wasn't the same transfer of heat that we think of or carcinogens that we worry about now or oil heating up the way we worry about now we it was just different so it i think it's interesting that you brought this up but it just combines the way food is done so much better like if i think about it like even a crock pot kind of it's like that slow like being able to cook something and have the flavors contained in something i think you know, some of it in, what's the vacuum pack pots that are like the crock pots, whatever those are. Mm-hmm. But some of that stuff is like, can you contain the nutrients, contain the flavors in the pot. 
you know, some of that stuff really went on there, and it's just cool that you do it because I'm a huge fan of that as well. Interestingly, yeah. and I've always thought about like how do you get food and pack it with people where they can just pack Dutch ovens with them and go hiking and and then just reheat it, you know, because I'm always like, you know, my brain's always thinking like, how do we really do this for, you know, and make it fun. But then you take away the part of camping that's part of the fun, which is figuring out how to slice the potato while you're camping. So, (laughs) And that's like something that we always, we also always learn too. Obviously we get better as the more, when we were younger, the more we learn. Right. And so, you know, my dad always taught us, you know, hiking and camping and all that stuff. And so we did a lot of the Dutch oven cooking when it was like we called it dump camping where it's just you know you're you're not hiking you're doing like cars or parks and now you can bring out the dutch ovens and you know one guy had a truck full of wood and it's like okay we're we're here all weekend we're gonna be cooking and fires and all that stuff and then once you go into like the backcountry and hiking that's where you kind of really get creative to where you don't have all that stuff so what can i do at home can i cut my peppers and onions and do all that stuff put it into a ziploc bag okay there's meal one meal two is going to be some diced chicken and I'm going to season it, but it's all ready. And so I mean, I remember this one time we went on a hike as in scouts and, and everyone was getting ready for their dinner. And like people had like their little camping stoves, the packing camping stoves that, yeah. you know, they're going to heat up some top ramen or do other things. And then we pull out our, our cooler and we had steaks, we had potatoes, we had, and we made a fire and, my dad we have like a, a pan that we always brought um and we're like shit we're gonna cook like <laughs> that's what we're here we're outside we have a fire we're gonna cook we're not gonna use this instant food and freeze-dried astronaut food that you know yeah. it was the big it was you know the big hype back then right and so yeah it's light yeah but we're kind of doing think it again with it, plant-based protein actually but yeah. that's a whole other topic yeah yeah and so it was like we always ate good when we were out camping, like we, we, we didn't starve, but we also didn't go for the freeze dried yeah. foods and stuff. It's like, man, like what well, we want to eat, you know? And so it was cool to see other people like, what you're cooking steaks. Like, <laughs> yeah. and I found like, yeah. a lot of love. Like uh, my, <clears throat> my father was in, went in from chemicals to food. When I was like three and a half years old, we moved to Maryland and bought the, the farm that my family Mm. has now or selling now, but it's, um, it's, um, it's like you, like we used to travel for horse shows and like you didn't always have power and stuff. So you have horse trailers and maybe you're in a hotel or eventually you live in the horse trailer or the motor home that you're towing it with. And you don't always have power. You didn't always have water, so you figure things mm-hmm. out. But also, I went to an all-boys school from 7th grade to 12th grade. And in 7th and 8th grade, we had to complete these, like, week-long trips. The first one was, like, on an island out in the Chesapeake. And, like, we had our own food, and we had to cook our own food. And each team had to design their own meals and yeah. stuff like that. So there was that type of thing. And same in 8th grade, but we did the Appalachian Trail down in... Uh, Virginia down in God, I can't remember. I want to say Shenandoah Valley, but I could be wrong. Old Rag, but you hike and you move, and it's sort of like, you know, God, I can't believe they allowed. And there was like thirty to forty boys and like one teacher, and we're off in the woods like by ourselves. If you think about it, but it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, it's like, okay, would parents even yeah. let kids do that anymore? I don't know. I we didn't have cell phones; they didn't exist then. Or yeah, if they did, here. they same. were like 
No, yeah, I don't think. I mean, if they were, they were the big ones that went in a car, you know, yeah. and you, <laughs> like you carried it like it was bigger than your suitcase. And yeah, yeah. So I just think there's so much love and food that happens when you have to work with it in a different way that you. And I hate to say it this way because everyone's going to be like, yeah, okay, like here's Justin again, like going back the pale, going backwards. No, but it's like you need to sort of understand your food more. You need to appreciate it more than just like, oh, I can just go anywhere and buy a Whopper at the Burger King drive through mm-hmm. You know, what mm-hmm. does it take to actually make a meal? What happens if those things suddenly disappeared or we had to do something different or you had to survive? How would you do it? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's not so much that we're training for something that would actually happen. I think it's just to build confidence as a human and you find love in things during it. Some people find love in nature. Some people find love in leadership. Some people find love in food. And yeah. so I think that's just a really cool thing. But anyway, yeah. so I took you back. Right, to, no, it's a good, it's a, it's a good point too, to just, and I'll add to it real quick. It's, you know, we all, every culture has a, a similar language and it's food. You know, everybody can, you know, understand it. And even if you're, you can't understand what we're saying, you can point and pick and like choose and like, and everyone conjugates over around the dinner table. Right. So we always are attracted to that because that's social, right. That's people like doing that and being more in tune with that. And, you know, when I go to cook with family or friends, like I put my phone away because I want to be in the moment and with people that I enjoy being with and and sharing that commonality and, you know, breaking bread, you know, over a meal. And it just, it's, it's, it's a, it's something that I think is super important and to that we hold on to those and continue that tradition, you know, so it's. Well, and it's no mistake. We tie things to it, like the bread and wine of, you know, the body and blood of Christ to bread and wine mm. because there's substance right in food. It, it, it's the great equalizer. We all eat. Like every human, no matter what it is, like I personally, like if I could get everyone to do it when you're in some big negotiation, you should actually sit down at a table and eat. We used to do that back in the days for centuries. Why? Because bread equalizes the conversation and makes things less aggressive. It balances things. It also helps people pause and actually talk about for some reason what they really want. And maybe the deal that everyone's putting together, maybe there's a better way to work the deal where people get what they want. And I find Mm -hmm. food does that. You can often see that, you know, two people are trying to get the orange, but maybe one person wants the flesh and one person wants the skin. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's just like you, you know, breaking bread to your point is this equalizer and it's the ability to slow down and actually have a conversation with people um, and get to know them in order to do business with them or, you know, whatever it is and make a connection or, or whatever. So anyway, go ahead. Especially in, especially in today's where we're at in today, like everybody's on the go, everybody's moving fast. Everybody's just go, 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 go. Right. It's like how many times, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty too. Like, during the week, during the business week, I'm go, go, go mode. But, you know, when I maybe on like the weekend or something, having family dinner or dinner with friends or, you know, like, hey, let's plan this business meeting. But let's, hey, let's do dinner. Let's go out and have dinner. And, you know, let's let's talk for a little bit, you know, and then let's get into the business type thing. Let's share that meal. And like, so, so many things I feel evolve around the dinner table per se, you know. And so it's, it's just 
the conversations it can any tensions that are there you can kind of talk and like laugh okay now we're having a good time okay now hey let's let's talk about a little bit of business or like whatever it is or just family you know so it's i think it's i think it's a good it's healthy and it's it makes everything just to me more enjoyable exactly yeah so you said something i wanted to jump a little bit you said something about like french cooking and the french kitchens and stuff like that and sort of the difference so yeah excuse me for the audience um just explain what you mean because i i mean obviously i know but i think it's the first time we're really um broaching this topic which is there's a lot of ways that chefs are trained but i think the there's this french way which is really going all the way to the basics of food which i think you touched upon which is important but i think there's more to it than that that you just want to talk about sure um yeah so we like i guess to me and it may be different for other chefs but to me the french cooking like so the chefs were they were all trained classically french trained and like our cookbooks were part in french and and part english and so i had to okay what does this mean you know going back and forth between ingredients and recipes and how to do it as i was learning things but also the techniques more importantly it's you know, the the old school classic techniques, you know, how to break down a chicken, you know, from a whole chicken all the way down into its, its little drumettes pieces, you know, um, from knife skills to cooking techniques of how to braise, how to make a pan sauce, how to make a butter sauce, all your soups and sauces and all the layering that goes into it. Um, and just like that, you know, I don't know the term of it, but there's, just cooking everything from scratch. How do you make a tomato sauce the classic way, right? And so um, it's not a open up, I'm going to, oh, I'm going to open this bag and dump it into a pot and there's my marinara. You know, there's, and and learning about different seasons, you know, like how do you preserve a tomato um, that's, you know, in summertime so that you can have tomatoes throughout the year and tomato sauce, right? And so, you know, one of those techniques is smoking that people don't know that, that's actually a preserving technique to where you can smoke tomatoes lightly and it it does, it has a chemical reaction in the smoke that will help keep tomatoes lasting. Right. And so certain things like that. And, you know, and and I've been in kitchens to where, you know, you had to, okay, Hey Mark, we need you to make, I mean, this was like, I did this so many times of working with, you know, I have a lot of fine dining experience and, like interviews, we're working interviews, but they'd be like, okay, hey, we need you to make make us a four-course meal um, to taste. We want to see what you can do. And I'd be in, you know, I would make fresh gnocchi or, you know, orchetti pasta, like literally making it by hand, you know, taking the flour, the water, making orchetti, making a sauce and using the ingredients and highlighting the ingredients themselves and there be, and I remember like doing that one time and they're like, we don't even have our kitty here. Where'd you get that? I was like, I, I fucking made it. Like, this is what you guys want. Like, I'm going to show you what I can do. And so, you know, having the skills and the techniques, you know, building over time and just doing it. Right. And so it's. And not being know, afraid I, of it. And not being afraid of it. And, you know, okay, something's happening during cooking. How do I fix it? How do I adapt? You know, it's like learning to make butter sauces. You have to understand like, and we're talking Burblancs and pan sauces, you have to understand the consistencies of the sauce, where the sauce is at 
during the cooking process and how to adjust it if needed, as needed throughout the whole time, you know? So we can make a butter sauce with just a little bit of liquid, you know, and, and emulsify it by whisking it constantly and just adding, you know, butter at, at and emulsifying it with a whisk over time. And you can do that with, you know, maybe a, a tablespoon or two tablespoons of the liquid and you can make a gallon of, of a butter sauce type thing or more from just that little bit of a base, but understanding the what's going on, the reactions and, you know, cause it's a very delicate sauce, right? So, and you're not using, you know, cream, heavy cream as a binder to help the emulsifying process. You know, we, it's all just classic. And so, and that's one me, of the, that's, one of the major yeah. things that you touched upon right there is we uh, in the United States, particularly, but comparatively, I would say also, um, a lot in just our homes, we add thickeners, cornstarches, yeah. um, you know, whatever else. I'm just blank, going blank right now. You mentioned the other source, mm-hmm. rice starch, stuff like that. And some we have, some of it's for shelf life if you're in food. Sure. But the other part of it is, is we do it in our homes, not realizing that we're just cheating something that could happen naturally without adding something foreign. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and you could actually get more nutrients and vitamins from the old school way, which is why when you said the French thing, one of the things I really like about it is when you break everything down to such basics and you build them layers with natural and nature's products, you're actually doing what we shortcut all the time. And it's like, yeah. okay, let's 3D print food. Well, we're kind of shortcutting the layers that happen naturally. And when you shortcut things within those shortcuts, you're missing out on nutrients and vitamins that happen naturally or in addition to cheating the system. And so, or that may come into your body with the Noki in this mm-hmm. example. And then those combinations and chemical reactions in your body do something that you can't 3D print or you yeah. wouldn't know. Because you want that diversity of food coming in your body because you want those different reactions happening naturally inside your body, just like you're, we're talking about naturally outside your body before it goes in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, go on, Mark. So No, I just was ending, getting to the end of my French, unless you had another question no, on no, French cooking, you know. But uh, I just, you know, those are, you know, back in the day, like, I, you know, it's, I was cooking with the executive chefs and like learning from them. And so I really, you know, I don't, I don't see that happening much in these days in restaurants. And so, and, and you know, every restaurant's different. So this is just my experience. Right. And so uh, I'm very fortunate to, you know, being able to work, you know, shoulder to shoulder with the owner, with the executive chef, who's like, that's their stuff and like learning from them. And so that's like, that's my, my background. And I take that and try to hold on to those as much as I can. Um, because that's, and then I can share that with other people too. You know, people be like, Oh, you don't know what you're doing. You know, I've been doing this for so years. I'm like, okay, like, let me, let me show you how we can do this and I can do it faster, quicker and, and all that kind of things, you know? So it's, uh, those, those, those lessons learned, I guess that's, uh, try to hold on. Right. One of the things I like about it is there's, if someone's trained and they have the right training, and then they're also entrepreneurial as yourself, there's no, (laughs) excuse me, 
no restriction in what they can do. They're not afraid of trying new things. They're not Mm -hmm. afraid of going into food production and so what if it hasn't done before? Let's try this and see what the chemical reaction is. And I think that's important is there's such science to food that that it's huge. The other part of this is, to go back to what we're talking about, is if you shortcut food, which is something that we all eat every day, which has made us who we are, which has developed the brains we have, the bodies we have, the muscles we have, whatever, so on and so forth. If we shortcut that, like, what are we doing? Like, food yeah. is such an important piece, and we have nobody going into these trades anymore, to your point, and working in the grocery store, or working in the restaurants, or the grocery stores, or the food chains, or the fast food. To me, if I were youth, I'd be all the way in there, because that's a blue ocean if I'd ever seen it. Mm. Like, there's so much opportunity there. But to your point, is... Food is not something that you can go four years to college and you get your degree and you're good at food. Where business, you can learn pretty quickly, I feel like, and life gives you hard knocks and whatever. And it's not like the hard knocks of working in food or food service, no matter where you are. When you're building a company, food is hard. And there's a lot of what I will call tribal knowledge that also happens in food where things are passed down and it's necessary for them to pass down and tricks and trade. And the only way you can do it is going and doing it because when you're really with some of these great chefs, they're not writing books. They're trying to run a restaurant and put a roof over their head. Yeah. So, Oh, absolutely. And that's, (coughs) you're learning from them, you know, you know, they're not doing their own thing and saying, Hey, you guys do all this. It's, they're in it. They're in it with you and teaching you, you know? So like I can fix pretty much any situation. Um, just knowing by like either from doing it before and like, Oh, I've, I've done this before. I know what to do to, okay. I know where this going back to the saucing. Okay. I know what stage the sauce is at. This is what we have to do. Maybe turn up the heat a little bit, um, or turn it down. And, Maybe we have to just whisk faster and cool it down a little bit because it's too hot or something, you know, knowing where those things are at, you know, so I can get in there and, and fix a situation or put a fire out, as we say, you know, like, and, 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 and get something, a product to the customer that is what they need, what they expect it to be, you know, so um, that's what's important, you know, too. So very cool. So, yeah. You 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 do this. This is where you grow up. You find out you love food. Obviously, this would yeah. you want to be a chef. So where do you go from here? Like, okay, do you do you stay on the chef path? Do you go to college? I just I want the entrepreneurs in the in the group to get a full perspective of sort of this pursuit. Like you fall in love with something, and what happens? Yeah, I mean, I can't say what I can say what I did right, and so it's. And it's, it's what I did. It's what I feel is the right way to do it. Um, and I've seen it flop too. So it's like, so, so I continued down the path and I, and I worked my ass off, you know, I, you know, was breakfast cooked to dinner cooked to weekends to, you know, working holidays, paying my dues, you know, those who are in the industry know that it's, it's not an easy one to thrive in. And so it's very like, balls to the walls it's very um you got to have a a tough skin right so um and even just going back to the french kitchen like those chefs were yelling at you and 
you know, sometimes they'd throw food at you. Sometimes they'd see you making something and they take the pan and they throw it away in the trash can and they say, that's not good enough. Like make it again type thing. And so you have to have that tough skin um, and, and know like, what's my end goal, right? My end goal was back in the day was I want to own my own restaurant. Right. And so to, in order to do that, I need to learn and be coachable and everything from cooking to, to learning business. Right. So I spent years on just food, learning different flavors, learning different techniques, different cuisines. Um, and then, cause I knew as I progressed, I would learn more of the business, you know, ordering management, working with vendors, um, menu development to the financials. Right. And so I knew those would come, but I needed to learn from the, the basics and, and that's the path I took um, to where I'm at now, you know, owning my own business and running it. And, and it's not a restaurant. And so it's, and learning the, but if I didn't have the knowledge and the experience of my past, I don't think I would ever be where I'm at now. And so that's, like I said, that's the path I took. That's yeah. how I think is, you know, the right way. If that's someone who really wants to, to do it, you know, maybe it's knowing what your end goal is. Hey, I want to own a food truck. Okay, go work for a food truck. If that's really what you want to do, maybe you're in a restaurant, maybe you're not in a restaurant. You know, have some sort of knowledge and skill. Learn to work a, a broiler station. If, you know, learn the speed. And that's like some of the things like the yeah. chefs in the back in, in the old days taught me. Like They're like, hey, work hard, learn speed and efficiencies and just you know, train your palate. Right. Yeah. And so like, I can't, you know, I, I have so many cooks I've, I've seen just like don't have those things in speed and they expect more, but yet they don't produce. And so, you know, if someone's like, Hey, I want to really own a, I want to own a food truck and do burgers. Okay. Go work for a burger restaurant and learn how to work in a high production because food trucks are fast. So you got to learn how to serve fast. Right. Yeah. So learn that or go, go work for a food truck. Hey, Bob's Burgers, I want to work for you, you know, and I want to learn how to do this, you know, because my dream is to own a, a know, or don't, don't be afraid to tell people what your dreams are because if Bob was like, hey, yeah, come work for me. Awesome. I'll teach you everything there is to know. And then, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Maybe you buy Bob out or yeah. Bob's like, hey, I want to really start something. I want to own more trucks. But, but hey, Justin, I want you to, work them with me and be, well, a, be we, a partner here. It's you always know, goes so it's, back to the Hershey and Reese's story. Hershey, you know, m mentored and, and brought Reese's yeah. up and then Reese's went across the street and he helped him build his own business. And then eventually Reese's family didn't want the business anymore. And Hershey bought the business and it's now, you know, peanut butter cups and Reese's pieces are some of the most popular yeah. candies and the Hershey yeah, arsenal. So, so, yeah. Cause people are so afraid of the competition and, and oh, I don't want to step on their toes or do over here. It's uh, competition's good. We need competition. Everybody thrives on it, right? And that's how all businesses are are made. And well, and in the food truck world right now, it, the the growth is just endless. And especially if yeah. they cluster together and they start to raise up themselves and get sure. coalitions and treat things like as groups versus as an individual truck and attract people and families to them that that way they can have multiple different foods and palates and you yeah. know how do you and, build and, that you and, know and help each other out right yeah there might be two burger trucks in the same 
in the same lot, you know, like a like a, a food truck lot, right? There's a hot dog, there's a burger, there's a, a Thai place, and then maybe there's two or three burger spots. Well, hey, what's that burger joint doing over there? What's making their stuff so successful? Let me go pick their brain later, later tonight when it's slow. You know, build that relationship and say, hey, maybe it's a, you know, hey, we're going to order, we're going to converge all of our ordering so we can get better purchasing power, you know, stuff like that. And so it's two different, you know, sauces or, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what they're doing or our POS system is running this way. So it's, don't think of it as competition. I'm never going to go over and talk to them, but like go be the person to go and talk to them and learn from them and provide value to them. Right. And so. Yeah, I agree 100%. Because you never know, you never know what's going to happen. And this industry is so small, just like every other niche industry that people know people and you, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Maybe that, that other food trucks broke down and they're like, Hey, Justin, I broke down. I'm supposed to be at this lot at three o'clock and I can't make it. Can you fill my spot? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then that customer is going to see that, Oh, okay. It's not Justin's food truck, but he called Mark in to fill his space so that the customers are still satisfied. Exactly. You know? And so it's that relationship. And so there's got to think, got to think bigger. So agreed. And so as you get this experience, like, let's talk about fit tracks. Like how does, how do you go from wanting your own restaurant, which is, I agree, which is the real ideal for a chef and your, your, and this is what I want to do to sort of saying, okay, like, and I'll, well, we can get into fit tracks with the audience, but I just, it's a, it's a different transition from restaurant food. Although I would argue it's bringing restaurant food into the home, but we can talk about that in a different way. Um, yeah. So go ahead, Mark. No, that's that's good. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so actually, I just looked at my phone real quick. I, this is a customer that I built a relationship with, and they're sending me pictures of a pig roast that I taught them how to do. And that's just an example of, you know, it's, it's the whole pig and it's got a, a big apple in its mouth. And they were like, this is the best pig we've ever done. Thank you for the, all your help. And that's just an example right there. It's like, so sorry, I didn't mean to sidestep, but no, it, it was no, like, you're, that's great. It's like, that's the kind of thing that we do. And so that's just the giving back and providing value, you know? And so, but so going into the tracks, you know, I'm, I've always played sports. I've always been active from scouts growing up and doing soccer, baseball, and stuff. And then I got really into like, you know, more not necessarily bodybuilding, but lifting weights and in the gym. And then I was introduced by my older brother to CrossFit. And I loved that. And I've always been a big fan of like team competitiveness. And so I saw that in CrossFit and I got just really into CrossFit and doing all that stuff. And so but as a chef, I was working nights, so I would do my morning workouts, and I'd be eating and you know, not eating. And so I was, wasn't was feeling good after my workouts, and I just felt – and that's where I started getting more into nutrition, right? And so I was talking to the coaches, and, you know, I knew a couple nutritionists, and I ended up doing, you know, a, a quarter of nutrition school, um, part of my culinary training, and – so then I started cooking for myself. So I and I was like meal prepping, right? And so, well, let's pause what, right there for a second yeah, because I think yeah. it's important. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is that one? You're a chef. Two. You've been an athlete your whole life. Three. You're introduced to CrossFit, which takes a very holistic 
perspective on the human body in general and now that you're a chef also so i mean does does the way you eat change at this point like what happens to you as a chef (coughs) excuse me as you are introduced to crossfit because now you're trying to fuel your body for performance in a different way and yeah. not saying that everyone shouldn't try CrossFit, but as you start to progress in pros- CrossFit, you quickly figure out that your body needs high-octane fuel to perform, especially if you're com- somewhat competitive or want to just do well in the classes yeah. um, and, and get the most out of them. I want to understand what happens there as a chef. Yeah, so it was, it was an interesting transition, actually, because I – you know, I, I love food. I'm never going to not love food. And, you know, the high-end, rich culinary, you know, French cooking, that's always going to be my, my passion, right? And I'm, I still to this day love to go out and do that. But as a chef, learning kind of like the nutritional standpoint and what I should be eating to optimize my um, performance or my, you know, visual, how, how you look and how you appear, right? And so, you know, it was much cleaner eating, you know, trimming out the, you know, we're not, okay, we're not going to do the, the rich butter sauces we're going to do, but there's also, but butter is also something healthy. You know, if you think about it, everything's healthy in moderation. So you don't have to go. So like when I started, I was like, okay, chicken, rice, and green beans, and that's it, right? Like just going plain. Cause I was like, that's what you do. Right. And so as I was learning, and developing and being a chef, I was like, okay, this, okay, this tastes super bland. It doesn't taste good. How can I make it taste better? What can I add to it to make it more flavorful and more enjoyable for me? Right. Cause you know, as a chef, I want to enjoy my food and not just eat it because it's fuel. And, and I know people who do that and that's, that, that's just them. They are like, Hey, I don't know other, I don't know any other way. This is just how I was raised. And so I was like, well, Hey, let me make it a little bit better for you, you know? And so, um, to me, it was a, a big learning curve for sure, but also, um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the challenge and I enjoyed talking with people and talking with nutritionists on, you know, them, you know, you know, Hey, potatoes are okay. Hey, you know, more protein is okay. You know, but going to, you know, after a big workout or a competition that we would do, and then everybody, okay, we're going to go drink beers and eat barbecue. Probably not the best idea, you know. Was it good? Yeah. But, and am I, am I going to feel it later? Of course. But, you know, so having those, you know, conversations and, okay, hey, don't go out and, and have the beer, but don't go and drink multiple beers and do all this stuff because, everything again in moderation is you're okay as long as you're putting in the work you know and, and not just slacking right on on the fitness side of course and so that's where i learned that when everyone um, and it was similar for me too as i discovered crossfit yeah. and then i went to an extreme like paleo and then i'm like okay like i'm getting so thin i can't gain any muscle and i had to reintroduce fats and some yeah. of the starches back into my diet because i needed that extra boost to actually get muscle based on the way my metabolism is. But yeah. I think one of the things you learn, I think to your point, Mark, is you sort of strip down your diet, even as a chef, and then you build it back up and yeah. you see what works for you. But back to even further, what you were saying is there's a diversity in your your diet and your palate that happens because 
I don't know, for some reason, all of a sudden, it's not like, okay, let's eat pizza every Friday or let's go out for whatever. <laughs> like, it's really like thought out your meals and like what you can do with them. And as you start layering them and as someone that's in food production and consulting and developing recipes on, on scale and, and what it is, it's interesting how to me, and it's just, and we see a lot of companies out there that are producing food in, in this fashion, but it's, to me, it's the best part of the food world. You have chefs and nutritionists that have sort of are coming together in nutrition in a way that's giving human the optimal fuel, if you want to call it fuel or food for their performance, for their brains and their bodies. Okay. And even if you're not an exercise enthusiast, like it changes the way your brain functions. I don't know how mm -hmm. to express it. Like, you know, it's just, and we've talked about keto before and, and some of those type of things and neotropics, like all these things diversifying. That's where when Mark's like, okay, one beer or in moderation, yes. the reason yeah, moderation yeah. is working is because it's diversifying. Where if I'm not just straight up eliminating sugar out of my diet completely, well, what happens when my body comes into contact with sugar? What's going to happen? Like you can't just give it the shock value like seven weeks from now of sugar suddenly in your body. It's like, oh, what's this? A crack, you know? And it's <laughs> like, but so it's, everything's like, you just have to adjust and the things that come in your body, they're built in nature naturally to be diversified as we eat them to give us that diversification and into our food chain. The animals we eat, they're supposed to have a diversity of food and the animals, the animals eat diversity of food if it keeps going like that. So yeah, I think that that's one of the things that really came into perspective me and I had been in food service by then for... Ooh, maybe 11 years almost oh no actually more like like 12 to 13 years and all of a sudden the light bulb comes off and we're like oh man like we did a lot of from scratch cooking and we had a lot of clean products even in the healthcare. but it was like yeah but if we want people to heal we want people to get better you cannot shortcut this and it goes back to the french cooking thing that you're talking about which is why i want to really leverage this into what you built is that from scratch cooking and the ability to layer products like a restaurant, but be able to get them into consumers that are also nutrition that help optimize brain and body. Mm. Go on yeah. Mark, with your story. No, yeah, that's, uh, no, that, that's your man. Good. This is all awesome stuff, but it's, yeah, that's exactly right. Like <clears throat> how are you eating and, and what are you eating? What are you putting into your body? And so that's, that's where I kind of learned more about it and, you know, from people that I respected too. And, and just talking and building those relationships, again, going back to relationships, talking with people, showing interest in them and getting them to, you know, help out. So, so I was sitting there in the gyms eating. I was, I was doing my workouts and okay, I got some downtime. I'm going to eat my food and then I'm going to, I'm going to go, go to work or whatever, because in the restaurants, you once you get to work, it's it's hard to eat because you're once you're there, you're there and you're like you're grinding and you're working. Agreed. Start to finish, you know you and you might be having a plate of family meal and you're so busy you you're eating and prepping and cooking or you you take five minutes and you eat over a garbage can and then you're done and then yeah. it's back to the work, you know? Because oh shoot, 
doors open in 20 minutes guys yeah you know that's what's funny about the food service and and restaurant business is it's like you're in the food business but you never get to eat because once the orders start coming in like it's like you have to get them out you want people to have warm food you want if it's a delivery picking up you want to make sure that delivery is warm like and you're not keeping the delivery driver waiting or the customers waiting or the waiter waiting you know, yeah. because you want to turn tables and you want to keep people on their schedule. They want to stay great, maybe. But if yeah. not, you don't. You want to. You don't want to keep them waiting. So it's like, yeah, go on, Mark. Yeah, and you can't. You can't be like, hey, I'm. Hey, it's it's, it's seven o'clock. You know, I haven't eaten in three four hours. I need. I need. To, it's like, no, this is dinner time. This is the dinner rush. Like, we need to power through it. This is like, you know. That's like when people, people would walk into our kitchen for an interview and they're like, I need my 15 minute break. And I'm like, I understand the 15 minute break thing, but you haven't been in food service. Apparently, if you think there's really <laughs> 15 minute breaks, you take them not on a schedule. You take them when we can get them when soup's not boiling out of a 200 gallon kettle. You don't just walk <laughs> away from it. That's not the time to take a break. I get it. It's perfectly halfway between your nine and 12 o'clock but it's not the right time when there's food burning and we have customers and bagging machines and even a restaurant certainly you're not going to do it when people are waiting for food i'm just going to let these eggs sit here on the skillet if they're extra (laughs) crispy who cares you know it's like so i mean that's where scheduling and everything works in a lot of businesses but in food it does not and in manufacturing tangible things that aren't going to go bad or that are so time sensitive to the point of developing the palate that you made earlier everything in food is time and temperature so people don't get sick you know flavor profile and quality so you ensure the best quality food but also if someone's a pack it into go box or you're a business like yours now that it's safe for a couple days in the refrigerator you know Mm -hmm. if not weeks in some cases as these we start developing natural ways to extend shelf life like high process process high pressure processing so go on Mark. so you're eating in the gyms and people are are coming up to you and like what's going on here yeah i mean pretty much (laughs) they're like hey what are you eating that smells really good like you know and i'm like oh i'm eating you know whatever chicken cacciatore or you know whatever it is and they're like man i i'm so busy like you know, in the CrossFit community, there's so many different professions going on. And so people just be like, Hey, can you, and that smells really good. That looks really good. You're the chef. Right. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, can you just, do you mind cooking for me a couple of days a week? I'm like, sure. Like it's easier to cook for multiple people than it is for one. And, and I, I don't have food waste. And so I'm just like, yeah, Hey, you know, help me pay for the groceries and maybe a couple of dollars for my time type thing, you know, whatever it was. And so, I had no idea of, you know, what this was. And people like it just built one by one and I was cooking for more people. And then people be like, Hey, you know, this is actually like people do this for a living, like prepared meals, packaged meals. And, and I'd, I'd, I'd laugh at them because I'd be like, no way. Cause as a, as a high trained chef, I'm like, no way. Right. Like, okay. you know, I've, I've seen the frozen meals in, in the grocery stores and I'm like, Oh no, I, I, you know, the ego thing of like, Oh, I'm no way. You know, it's that thing like, I'm not going to eat that shit. I'm going to make my own. But and that's where I really started to like learn and dive into the psychology of, of people and how we eat and the necessity of food and, and, and learning, actually learning it still. And it was really shocking to me, Justin, of like people like I hate cooking or I don't know how to cook or, and I'm like, what, like, what do you mean? 
Like it, it, to, when I first heard that in multiple people, I'm like, how is that even possible? Like, right. And so, and I'm like, okay, like, okay, you don't like to cook, you hate to cook, or you don't know how to cook. How can I help you? Right. Well, so and think a, about it a, this way. All of those answers that those people gave you or voluntary commentary <clears throat> says this. If they don't know how to cook, they don't even understand how nutrition works. Even reading a label, even whatever, you're not truly understanding how all that stuff combines in your body. You could try all you want. But the problem yeah. with not understanding food, and I know this. I've been in the food business for a long time, and I was in food production. And then I really understood food. I did culinary classes. I took extra stuff after I got out. Of, I like as I was also going to grad school. I, I started taking the extra class. Then I got out of graduate school. Then I was like, I need to learn more culinary. So I took a lot of classes in online school, and then went to learn more knife skills. And I'm like, okay. Um, so all of a sudden, you learn something new, and it changes your mind, right? Mm, and yeah. And you just because you're in something doesn't mean you understand it. But what I understood in doing all that is exactly what happened to you is all of a sudden as I was like, I need to learn more. I need to understand what the chefs are doing in my business. I need to understand at least the major basics of food and sauce making and, and all of those things. Yeah. What happened to me was something similar. It's like all of a sudden I'm like, there's people out there that have no clue what they're doing. They're like popping my meatloaf in a microwave or whatever they're doing. <laughs> and we're not realizing not only the damage we're doing to food and, and the way we do things, but the damage we're doing to the food before we consume it. We also don't are not understanding that nutrients are done when food's picked, not when it's cooked. And yeah. there's nutrient uh, deprivation or depreciation as the longer it goes off. And so there's all these things that come into play. And then my favorite thing is, is that how many humans out there aren't optimizing their minds and bodies by realizing these same things. And I was the experiment. Like, I'm like, I'm going to do this myself. You know, I struggled with weight a little bit as I got into my thirties and graduate school and how being an entrepreneur and running multiple business and a family business. And I didn't have any kids because I'm like, okay, I have so many employees. I can't worry about kids. I got to worry about all this. <laughs> yeah. And they are so, your kids. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but what happened was I realized that I had to simplify the way I was eating. I had to diversify the way I was eating at the same time. And I had to embrace proteins and meal programs and cooking on my own in simpler ways and learning it. And, as you get into the meal programs, ironically, like they they become less like training wheels and more like things that supplement the stuff that you also do on your own because you see the way cooking can be done in a good, healthy way that optimizes your brain and body. And in doing so, you can also start to get ideas of how you can do it. And I know, Mark, you do cooking stuff on your Instagram all the time, Mark Riggs 25 on Instagram, I believe, if I'm correct. Yeah, and, yeah. um, you know, those are the type of things that happen when you start to care and people, the other thing, humans, I should say, I'm, I'm trying to humans, not people. I don't want to be, um, come across in the wrong way, but as humans, like this is a major part of our everyday life, like, and it compounds in our body and life is about 
choices for sure, but you can get really good food, air fried food, even fried food that's fried, deep fried and healthy oils or pressure cooked and healthy oils or things like that, that, that give you the food that you love that tastes just as good. And it's just, it's the same version. It's just not unhealthy, not necessarily because I'm trying to take away something good or say something's good or the world's trying to. What we're saying is there's a way to combine these ingredients back to the French classical cooking in a way that's that can be mass produced also, homes to meals to home, because the way we layer things naturally and you don't need the natural bad things that go on. You can use yeah. gases and remove oxygen and you know, uh, high pressure uh, processing, which we talked about before, which is, you know, high pressure with water around packaging. And yeah. there's all these things. So, all right. Well, like so, cooking, like one thing we do at Fitrax is we cook all of our proteins on a super low temperature. So like low, low temperature processization, right? It's like, so we're like, while we're cooking it, it's preserving, it's, you know, killing off the harmful bacteria, but also our end product is a juicy chicken breast that you can cut with like a fork and a, and, or a spoon and, you know, salmon that's, you can't, I mean, I've had, I still to this day, people are texting, emailing, you know, passing in conversations, you know, when I'm out, like Mark, you're this, 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 this fit track salmon so good. Like it's better than I've had at any restaurant or I can make at home. Like, what do you do is over, well, we're starting one, we're starting with a good product. I'm not going to cheat, you know, the product that we buy. So this is going back as like the chef, right? You know, using good organic produce and ingredients, sustainable seafood, grass-fed beef. And so when I was doing this in the gyms and, and telling people what I'm making and cooking and, you know, preservative-free and I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm using non-hormone or a non-GMO chicken and on all that stuff. And so that it all shows in the end product and you really don't need to do much to it. Like, yeah, add some sauces and add some seasonings and all that kind of stuff. But if you're starting with a good base, you don't need to do a whole lot of stuff like, you know, back in the French kitchens and the, all, all the other kitchens. I did, I did French, I did Italian, I did, you know, Asian kitchens, but it was how many ingredients can we put in there, right? It's like, you don't need that. And so, and that's where it all stemmed off was I started diving into looking into what other companies were doing and ordered from a whole different bunch of other companies of like these prepared meals type things. And so, I will say this, Mark, just from where I yeah. sat in the businesses we've built and stuff like that, I could always tell a chef's skill level based on the way they wrote a recipe. Yeah. And it's and it's really you spend enough time in it and you understand some items and sauces may need to be more complicated or sometimes sure. when you're in hospitals, you can't use salt. So you have to use more spices to give more flavor profile to make up for the salt. But yeah. generally, if you know someone who's been in the business, whether it's food service, restaurant, who's really good at it, who produces good food when you taste it and then you look at a recipe and it's minimized the number of ingredients, you know, yeah. you're like, that person knows what they're doing because it it's not like you start off there because you want to pack flavor in but then you realize that there's an efficiency and a delivery also in nutrients and vitamins in in ways to simplify things that nature provides versus science providing although you're using the science of food 
to provide it in this way, for example. But it's just amazing what happens, right? Yeah, yeah. And no, sure, those sure. chefs like, that live that way because that natural progression that happens as a chef in experience, you're like, okay, I can't have a warehouse in my restaurant of 200 different spices. We're going to have to figure this out with 50. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's even a lot, you know? So it's like, okay, you know, maybe it's not, maybe it is. Can you get away with 200? I don't know. I'm just giving examples, but go on because I think it's important what you're talking about. Um, so how do you scale it from here? People come to you, they're liking what you're doing, Sam, and I agree, and which I love your food. It's one of the things why I'm like, okay, this is really well done, simple ingredients, very impactful flavor, and then the plates go together well. So yeah. now how do you – okay, you're like, okay, I'm going to have to start cooking. It went from grocery shopping <laughs> in my home kitchen to like multiple people coming to you now. So how yeah. do you get – how do you form a business? Like you're like, how do you come to terms with you're not going to be a restaurateur anymore and yeah. sort of some of that stuff? Well, at least not right now. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. So like – so I, and I had always done like – I worked caterings and did that stuff. And I was doing dinners and catering gigs here and there in between – you know, my days off of working in the restaurants. And so I kind of had that side gig going on and I like that little taste of entrepreneur starting a business. Right. And, but then this meal thing kind of boosted sales per se. Right. And so I was getting busier. And so what I had to do was I was like, okay, this is actually something more legit. I can't be cooking out of my apartment or my mom and dad's kitchen anymore. I need to go rent a kitchen. So I rented a small space from like a shared commissary kitchen and I basically was, I was like, oh man, $800 like a month. I don't know. Like that's a lot. And I'm like, how am I going to make $800 plus I, now I need to live. Right. And so I had my apartment rent and I had my kitchen rent. And then I was like, okay. And I, I'm working two jobs and, and I'm trying to get this prepared meal thing and do caterings in between. And I'm like, okay, things are starting to kick through and I'm just, kind of just buckle down and, and go go at it and just say okay well, this is what we're gonna do I'm this is this is making more sales so I'm gonna I'm gonna go down this lane right and and that's where it was so I was like you know Fridays early Friday morning I wake up at 5 a.m I drive downtown uh, I'm about 30 minutes from like downtown Seattle and at the time and I would drive beat all the traffic because I was like traffic is horrible right so I wake up extra early because I had to get to the produce company, you know, Charlie's produce is downtown. And I was like, I got to be there by, you know, the doors open at seven, but I want to beat traffic. So I'm there by six 30, whatever. And I had, I opened my trunk door, I had coolers and I'd, I'd place all my orders beforehand. And I would go down there, drive down there, pick up all my ingredients, close up. And then I would drive across the street and pick up all my, my proteins from the Corfini Gourmet, like the, the protein vendor there. I pick up my steak, my salmon, you know, chicken and all that stuff. And then I drive back up north, unload everything. And I then I'd start cooking and prepping. I'd be there, you know, till I was done. Sometimes it took me a couple hours. Sometimes it took me two days. And, and that's part of the learning curve. And that's where I was like, you know, learning even more of how to scale and simplify things and but not affect the end product the taste the flavor and the nutritional content 
And so how can I take chicken and put it into different meals and different flavors? How can I do, you know, maybe it's one or two salmon dishes um, because that's a higher price protein item, right? And, you know, learning with different, working with different ingredients and cross utilizations and and all that stuff. I mean, I, I knew it in the sense of like a restaurant, but not in the sense of like scaling. And so that's where I learned more of the scalability um, with working with minimal ingredients, right? And so, because at the time, like I said, I was paying, now I'm paying my rent plus a kitchen rent and and everything else that goes in there, you know, driving my own vehicle and, you know, business costs. Oh, I can write that off. And so, you know, learning all those things. Yeah. And because now I'm I'm not working for, for Justin over here, I'm now working for myself. Um, and, you know, something my dad always told me is like, do you want to be someone who, who signs the front of the check or the back of the check, right? And so, and I was signing the front of the check now. And so, the, you know, different mentality, a different mindset had to be um, developed, right? And so, and it's just like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this product done and get it to the customer. And that's where I was doing everything. I was a one-man show. I did all the, the shopping, the cooking, the prepping, the the plating it up, putting it into containers, and then delivering it to people, right? And so, and it just built, and it built and built and built, and one customer after another. And then I started going out and actually marketing it and knocking on uh, gym, other gyms' doors and being like, hey, this is what I'm doing over here at, at this CrossFit gym, I'd love to introduce it to your guys' gym and maybe I can help out some of your customers. And they're like, sure, yeah, like you're a CrossFitter, you know, had that 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 connection already. And then they're like, oh, shoot, and you're a chef and this is what you're doing. And, and I, yeah, let's... Let me pause you right there. Go ahead, but finish your statement, Mark, before well, I... Well, no, I, I mean, that's... I just, One of the they're like, hey, I... yeah, let's let's do this. Like, cool. Like, so... One of the things I want to just hit on real quick is we get so focused on like, you can only be good at one thing. And while I agree, like Mark started off focusing on being culinary and then he started learning the business and then by being a caterer and then the thing took off. So you learn the skills as it goes, but you can be more than a one trick pony and you can be a person that's what's known as a renaissance man or woman, which is that you carry around a bag full of multiple skill sets that can be combined into one bag to provide you with a life or, you know, Mark and I actually just talked about this the other day, and there is a podcast on the Centurion Leadership Battalion about this, but it's a visionary thread. When all of your skill sets plus your calling or your purpose, however you want to look at it, start to align and the environment around you starts to give you the message that you should be going in this direction where all of the opportunities you took advantage of in life start what we call mining the opportunities of the future for you, which happened mm -hmm. in Mark's case. This is like, but it takes a long time and it takes understanding that every skill I'm building. So Mark's a CrossFitter, Mark's an athlete, he's a chef. He's an entrepreneur and he's a business person. And please do not confuse. I really emphasize this in the audience because this is the, an entrepreneur food cast podcast. Being an entrepreneur and being business savvy are two separate things. Okay. As an entrepreneur, building a business is one thing. It's a go, go, go. But once you have to business manage that business, that's where being a business person comes into play. And a lot of people just go to school for the latter because an entrepreneur has already built most of the businesses for them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you, you can't, you can't really 
I don't know. You can't teach it. You got to learn it. You got to experience it and you got to learn from other entrepreneurs. Right. Yeah. So don't go learning from someone. Oh, I'm a business professor. Oh yeah. What, what business did you run? What business did you start? You know? Oh, well, I just, I just was a, a COO. Like, well, well, you don't know how to start a business then you don't know the struggles that yes. I'm going through. Right. So you don't, it's like, why am I going to learn from you? I'm going to go find someone who's actually doing it. So yeah, exactly. And that was where I found as well. It was like I want—I was an entrepreneur in a business with business managers and my father as a mentor who came out of corporate environment. Although I grew up with my mother who was an entrepreneur and, and entrepreneurial and being on a quarter horse farm and lessons and developing a business and going to shows and a reputation. And she taught me the work ethic of what is basically 75 hard or and for sell is powerless, which is repeat. We're doing the same thing over and over again yeah. with some variations, but making sure you complete these tasks every day, whether it's sports or being a chef or being an entrepreneur or reading a book or kicking a soccer ball a hundred times right foot, hundred times left foot, hundred times on your knee, right knee, hundred times on your left knee or thigh technically. But <clears throat> it's one of those things. So, I think to your point, Mark, is um, one of the things I like about this and I want to really connect for people is what sort of happens is you just have to keep going and you just have to keep running down Faith Street knowing that there's going to be these gifts along the way that are going to arrive for you as long as you keep working hard, as long as you keep putting in the effort as long as you keep understanding that I have to not once I've developed and I'm good at another st skill set it often leads to other skill sets <clears throat> for me I had to go find entrepreneurs and learn entrepreneurial businesses as I built a you know the family business with other business partners yeah. you know and so so there was that and then there's like okay i want to go back to grad school and, and learn international global business and and learn from the best food companies around the world and other universities and learn from those students and deal with students on an international level and different languages and cultural barriers and see the world in a different way through food yeah. and so there's just like you have to put yourself out there but you also have to realize that doing so you just have to keep going Okay, because often people are like, oh, I have an interest in playing the piano. Go play the piano. You never know what the path you're on now and adding the piano will do for your visionary thread and what the blanket of life is going to look like for you by chasing some of these things. Don't overwhelm yourself. I don't say go do 20 things at once. Learn things and build on the things you're learning and continue to learn the things that you started with because don't forget, you got to keep learning. But also, it's okay to start learning something else if you start to stabilize that thing. And I think mm -hmm. that's life, really. But go ahead, Mark. I sort of just, I really wanted to emphasize that uh, point because it is hard. And you do have to lose money. And you do have to make mistakes that just happen that no one can tell you because they are custom to your business. And that's just the way it is. And weirdly, as you build and you stack these bricks of your businesses and your entrepreneurial and your ability to pivot, your business becomes like this massive thing of solutions where even if someone's trying to imitate you or compete with you with your product, those inner workings make your business great over time. Yeah. So 
Oh, absolutely. Now it's, in, in, to your point, it's, you know, learning different things, right? So now I've built fit tracks up to, <clears throat> it's not a restaurant. You know, we have a big commercial kitchen warehouse and um, um, like doing what we're doing, but still not losing the touch of, of our cooking techniques, right? So we're doing it at scale now. So I've been through multiple websites, you know, uh, from what I was just sending out emails to the people I was cooking for being like, Hey, this is what I'm cooking this week. Let me know what you want to now. We, okay. Now we're building a website, right? Okay. How do I do that? I don't fucking know. Um, let's yeah. figure it out. Right. Right. Let's do some YouTube, built my first website. <laughs> yeah. Super, <Yeah>. stupid, simple. <laughs> right. Cause I was like, I don't have money. I'm sitting here paying all this rent. I know, you know, just trying to, and I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm living off kitchen wages. And so, and, uh, and back then it was, it was super low, you know, and, uh, you know, making 11, 12, $13 an hour as a cook. Right. And so, but okay, learning how to do that. Okay. Did that. And then started crashing and I'm like, what's going on? I can't do this anymore. Like it's, it keeps crashing. Right. Cause it wasn't designed for more than, I don't know how many people to keep ordering. And I'm finding a kid who was, you know, about to graduate college and he was in, you know, this website website design and all that stuff. And I was like, dude, I'm having troubles, you know, building my website. And I was like, he's like, Oh shoot, I can help you build one. So he helped me build my second one. And so then we started working more together and then we went into, you know, we started here and then we, you know, we built two more and then he's like, Hey, I think we're ready to do something bigger, more in depth type of system. And I was like, okay, what's that cost? You know, I'm, you know, as you know, young business starting out, costs are and they still are important right and but it's like that's your like oh, i don't know if i can afford you know a couple hundred dollars to do that but looking at the investment that you're putting into it right yeah what's a good what's a what's a better website okay it might cost me a couple hundred dollars one time this month to get it all set up and it and on his design fee you know it's going to take more time but once that's over okay now we're down to i'm paying just my my shopify we're working on shopify so it's like What's my monthly now rate? All the design fees are done. Okay, now we can start to recover. Now we can start to build things back up. But the end result, what the customer is seeing, it's a better experience. And that's what it's all about is creating the experience about for the customer, right? And so what we're doing is, you know, now we're shipping and going into shipping, right? I mean, there's a whole lesson right there. Like how, do, how the hell does that work? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? I'm a chef. I don't know how this shit works. And so... But that's where like COVID hit, right? And and I was in the middle of constructing our warehouse and and like COVID started hitting and I was like, what the shit? Like construct workers stopped and you know, inspectors stopped and I was like, No, 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 like we're so close, like we need to get back in here, finish up your plumbing job, you know, what can I do to help out type things and so I'm getting our warehouse built and in the, in the pandemic, right. To, cause I was like, we need to get this going. Cause my customers are expecting us to be continuing to produce product. And so we did, we got it all done. We got finished and, you know, learning the websites and improving it. And, you know, it's all about creating the, the best customer experience possible and, and never, we're always trying to do better. I'm still w working on ways of how to improve our customer experience, how to get more um, creative meal menu options, you know, designs and like, okay, 
curry chicken. How can I, okay, we've been doing this curry chicken for a while. Great. Can we do another one that's even better? Right. Yeah. So it's, you know, now we're talking, we're in, we're in October now. So butternut squash, you know, warm foods, more seasonality. Now we're, we can start to, you know, work on critiquing different menu options and taking, okay, we're going to take our summer curry and we're going to tweak it a little bit to make it a fall curry, you know, throwing butternut squash, more warmer spices and yeah. different things in there to, to, you know, but we're, but we're using chicken on all these different meals, you know, so it's cross utilization of product into, you know, running a, we're now running an e-com business, right? So it's, working with all the all the little pieces that go into that from delivering to to shipping to you know ordering order management on an e-commerce platform to packaging is a huge one so i've invested in packaging itself like we're now removing all the oxygen we're vacuum packaging our meals so that we can get a better product longer shelf life and a better product to the customer so because my 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 vision and my my end goal is for when a customer reheats our meals and eats them, I'm trying to mimic as if they just cooked it, right? So, which is a very tough thing to do in in like any packaged food type deal, right? So it's whether you're a grocery store or a small business owner like myself, like you're trying to do the best, and word that's we're just always trying to set the standards high and continuing to, to do better. Like, and, and listening to our customers, it's huge. Like people don't understand that, but what do your customers want? Asking for their reviews, asking for feedback. Hey, Cindy, what'd you think about that? You know, those new uh, chocolate chip cookies, you know, almond protein cookies we did. Oh, they're good, but you know, maybe they could be a little bit, you know, softer or sweeter you know because we're trying to keep it all in a healthy nutrition standpoint right so we're like okay taking notes and looking at that and, and how can we do it better right so and i think that's people are buying customers are buying into it and and knowing that we're listening to them like you know like hey when are you guys changing your menu hey you know what we're gonna actually today's the day we're, we're changing it after we're done talking just i got to work with the team we're going to change our menu so like and people are like, oh, I'm, I'm excited. And like talking to people, you know, when they come pick up meals, they're like, oh my gosh, this smells so good in here. Like, what are you guys cooking? You know, and be like, hey, you want to sample it? Like, we're thinking about doing this butternut squash curry. You want to try some? Like, and they're like, oh my God, I can't wait for this to come online. Like, let me know when it's up. And I'm like, okay. Like, you know, so that's the cool thing. And like talking with customers and like working with, you know, the, our ambassadors and programs that we're now working on and, you know, getting people's opinions and feedback and always just listening to them and how can we create a better experience. And, and again, going all the way back to the food and around a dinner table, it's, it's food. We're all, we all need food to survive. We all um, like to eat, you know, and eat good, right? So how can I create that product that you're going to microwave and, or, or put it into a pan and heat it, but you're going to heat it up in within minutes and you don't have to waste the, you know, spend, you know, hours of time shopping, cooking, prepping and cleaning up. Right. So you have a team of chefs basically at your online yeah. fingertips that you can order what you want and it'll ship 
next day overnight to you and it's going to be fresh you know so it's and it's tough it's not easy you know like that's the hustle that's the grind that's the you know but always having the bigger vision than a lot of other people and building relationships it's all that's what it's all about so like how do you do like the next big thing right and so learning the new okay we're doing this and we're doing really good and this is running really well over here okay now can we take a little bit of a sidestep and start to learn something else to integrate you know into the business or you know still in the food industry but how do we do that right so and that's one, the cool thing about it one of the things i'm most excited about and companies like yours mark and 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 also as mark and i continue to talk and and work through things i just in the world that we live in, COVID shrank our food supply chain and our ability to get diverse food and thus diverse nutrition into our bodies, um, vitamins and uh, minerals. So it's, that being said, the pioneers, the entrepreneurs that are going to go make a difference, if anyone doesn't know, during COVID, Smithfield was bought by the Chinese and most of our pork industry is now Chinese-based. And so there's these entrepreneurs that are going to have to come up in food and be pig farmers and be food entrepreneurs that diversify food through local proteins and products and the right sources and the the right ways and simplifying things but also diversifying spices and and proteins and stuff like that and then the other thing that i get excited talking to mark about is his excitement towards integrating in more proteins and um, the listeners that are in the United States or anyone who's out there, I talk a lot about this on the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast and have a few episodes that will be coming out um, in the next couple of weeks about this. But it is so important that we actually look at our countries and our or, or whatever, not from a different standpoint, but what are the animals and plants that we actually can produce in our countries and produce on a world market to add to the diversity of food? Okay, we just talked about how food is a great equalizer. It makes us all the same. We all need to eat. But one of the ways we understand each other also is and have a better tolerance and understanding of each other is if we share each other's customs in food. And so in the United States, we have American bison. We have we do a lot of duck. We have goat. We have these things that we talk about alligator. So. These are things that in the United States that we capitalize on, we we're starting to capitalize on. And how does that matter in diversifying the American diet? But the true pioneers in this, what's exciting in the entrepreneurs, and obviously I'm trying to be impactful and influential by saying this about Mark, because this is the directions he's going in his food. Um, both we talked about butternut squash, which is why I'm bringing this up. It's very important. It's a seasonality thing, but it's also a diversification where we're getting different f- fruits and vegetables during those times which are different minerals and vitamins during those times which means our body are receiving different nutrients that can help it grow or heal or do things during those times but being able to cycle it out in the season it's naturally designed that way and food grows that way for us to consume in those cycles and so or we're designed to match that cycle depending on your viewpoint yeah and so that being said it's it excites me because mark is like mark and i talk and as these proteins he talks about and how he used to drive from you know the produce place to the the meat processing place like that kind of touch and and then the ability to know how an animal breaks down and then eventually be 
full animal utilizing. Um, mm-hmm. Because in a restaurant, it's hard to utilize a full animal. Like you have different things and you only have so many clients. But what Mark's starting to do is he's taking his dream, his fitness, his chef, also being a restaurant tour idea, but being an entrepreneur and delivering restaurant quality food into people's home that has shelf life, that can be reheated, that, you know, that has the ability to be diversified for anyone's diet where I don't have to go buy slabs of bison or slabs of elk or slabs of chicken or slabs of turkey or whatever it is. Mark's doing it on a scale that I can bring it into my home and I don't actually produce waste. Yeah. And that's a big thing too, is the waste factor, right? Yeah. So, cause we utilize all, all parts of the animal when we need to. So it's not when we need to, but like, if I don't need to order whole chickens, then I don't. But if I do end up ordering a whole, you know, a pallet of whole chicken, we're going to utilize every product, everything out of there. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, one going all the way back to the ancestors, the respect of using the food, that animal died to feed us. Right. And so, still have that mentality like i want to utilize all that but also on a business cost point too like that's money like you know so it's you need to cross utilize product i'm going to take i'm going to butcher the chicken i'm going to use the thighs for this the the chicken breast for here um the the drumettes over here the wings we're going to do some hot wings and and all that kind of stuff over here and you know the the skin you can render that down and create its own fat you know to cook with and then the the carcass you can make stock and make flavorful soups and sauces and bases because people don't do that anymore they want to buy the instant you know the instant stock you know dried up condensed stock you just add one cube to a gallon of water well we want to just print the food in a printer and eat it and it's like oh man if anyone doesn't see where the opportunity lies and where there's going to be a difference in human beings in our development and yeah. our involvement, it's going yeah. to be in the choices we make right now yeah. in the way that we eat. Yeah. And like Tomorrow. selling that broth, right? <laughs> like take sitting there drinking broth. How many people do you know, Justin, that are drinking just broth instead of tea sometimes? Like, cause they want that, that rich, uh, organic, like nutritional, yeah. uh, warm, drink in a, and in a sense and right? i want to so continue it's... on that and it's like you know we talk about broths and they're they're so important for the human diet and the immune system but even a step further like we have coffee and tea and we all drink those things and then now we're introducing broths but we also have this whole world of ciders that we only drink once a year but there's a diversity of food and ciders you can make all year and ciders are actually really good for the human body yeah and it's like things like that and they can be served hot so you know and utilizing you know, all of our fruits and vegetables and not throwing away. So I like what you did there, Mark, is you really tie together things. And I expanded it just because I think it's, it just, these are choices and just like, okay, if I'm going to do broth, I can do ciders also. I can do kombuchas also. And then I just have diversified my palate and the amount of beverages that are going into my body, the way they're fermented, those influences on my body and my digestive system. Exactly. Like we're working with a winery a winery, right? But still wine and food still going hand in hand, right? But, you know, they're they're looking at all their grapes that they've done pressed and everything. They're like, okay, now we have all this byproduct. What can we do with this, Mark? Any ideas, you know, on a food or on a chef standpoint? So it's like, okay, now we're looking at this. Okay, what do we do with all these grapes? Is there something we can do to, to, to continue to extract flavor or create a byproduct out of, you know? Um, 
And then when we're all done with it, we put it into a compost and we're still full circle. Right. Yeah. So that kind of stuff. And that's, you know, you got to start people, especially in the entrepreneurial world and like business and food, you got to think outside the box and try to trigger those creative brain cells and get them firing and, and working with other people. Right. So it's, you know, I don't know what to do with these extra grapes, but let's, let's try to figure it out. Right. So I think it's hugely important. I think the yeah. direction you're going is important as well. So what I'm, I'm going to do, Marcus, I'm going to ask you to come back on and we're going to dive more into fit tracks on another episode. Cause we're at about an hour and a half for the audience. Yeah. But what I want to really dive into, and just so the audience knows, is we're going to, um, what what Mark is doing and the diversification of his food, I just, it is such a model of where all food should be going. And when Mark talked about the food trucks and the competition, the reason he's getting on the podcast and him and I talk and I talk so openly about it and being in the food space and going in the same directions Mark is, is because we all need to be unified in doing this together in yeah. the United States or in your respective countries to build food back up. We need to push back on shortcutting our food. It's not like we we just – it's not because I'm like a naturalist or I don't want to move forward or Justin, come on. We know science does this and we've been eating Flintstones vitamins our whole life. <laughs> and so it's like – it's like no, it's – this is really, really, really important. And this is really, really important if we know history repeats itself. And it's really, really important to know that there's going to have to be humans probably on Earth and on other planets. And it's really, really important to know that we need to be able to bring plants and animals with us and things like solar power and indoor farming and outdoor farming and understand what that would be like. It's very important because we as humans and medicine and the importance of science, what the importance of science does is it's helped us live a long time. It's fought things like diseases and stuff like that that could be fought through food. But in the end, we'd rather not die. Let's put the injection in there, you know, yeah. because we haven't figured it out yet how to eat that way. But eating properly can help prevent things. It's more preventative where medicine is more reactive. And if we can look at things that way, like, okay, food and in the way we eat and drink is our preventative medicine and medicine and science and hospitals and going to the doctor is our reactive medicine. Even if you're having a physical, it's too late by then. Okay. Yeah. So in the world, it's okay for them to marry and for us to have a hybrid, but for science to take over food also, like we're making a thing where we're not realizing that we need to keep nature intact because it needs to remain intact even if we leave as humans and we take some of it with us but we need to leave nature intact and our planet intact in a way that can heal itself and that's diversification but it's so simple and just eating diversely Di excuse me eating um having diversity in the way you eat i don't know why i'm having a speech impediment right now apparently but it's um <laughs> it's, it's um, the passion that's your passion coming out it's i just it's yeah and i don't want to be misunderstood and because all all what we know and what what we know as humans is that natural way our bodies respond and become productive and more efficient and start 
you know, living to higher performances, our brains and our bodies. The thing that we realize is it actually goes in line with what nature does naturally. The rotation of animals as they would herd. We can create these in farms. We can rotate our animals on the farms. We can rotate our crops on the farms and we can buy diversively. You know, even if it's not only in the United States and buying locally, it's okay to buy products that we can't get here from other places and spices because they complement the nutrition or the vitamins or the flavors. We just have to figure what those are. And in a lot of cases, things like in the United States that people are growing right now is cassava. That's a South American, you know, starch. You know, they're using it in cassava flour. They're making chips out of it. You know, it's replacing corn in a lot of ways. So we just have to look at the world and there's always opportunities to be a farmer and do farm other cool things that they have in other parts of the world here or animals that we don't normally eat here and introduce them to us because I will support it. You know, how do we figure that out? You know, companies like Mark, he's like looking at this as the, the whole human experiment, which is our whole livelihood, which is also what is the impact of what we have. So, I will say this, and everyone in, you know, the world is, I'm going to get treated like, you know, I'm saying the world is flat back in the day, or round, <laughs> and everyone thinks it's flat. But the truth is this, if we, when we start, there's a generation of individuals and humans that understand what's going on in food, and it's particularly concentrated around CrossFit, I don't know why, but it's also about it's weird because it's very much concentrating around feeling good, but you also end up looking good. That's the weirdest part about CrossFit. It's like you feel good, but you end up looking good. And everyone's going in there, I want to look good, I want to look like a CrossFit. But the reality is, is once you start feeling good about yourself in CrossFit, you start looking good because you, your lifestyle balances out. And that's your food, your your work, your sleep, everything. And so companies like mark and individuals like mark that are starting to realize this or humans that realize this and benefit from it we're almost going to separate the development of the human because and the involvement of the human because if we don't eat properly and we don't have the proper nutrition going into our children and then they're not eating properly we start compounding this processing of food guys we've only been processing food for about 140 years totally Mm. positive about that Okay, industrial revolution, processing food, hand in hand. Okay, so that being said, and processing food and the mass production that we do it with, you know, shelf life extended, needing regulatory people to say, oh my God, you're poisoning people, you know, where tribal knowledge no longer existed and marketing knowledge outweighed common sense. So there's that whole thing that happened. So these ideas that we have we have no idea really the compounding effect on humans over a legacy over thousands of years so that being said we can see what the change has done in only a few short years okay like humans that eat more diversely that add more fats in their diets that do it and they end up being healthier because they change their lifestyle around it it may start with the habit of food because we eat every day but their lifestyle changes so 
like that being said, if you're compounding nutrition and vitamins and healthier brains and healthier bodies and and better functioning, which also then makes you a better parent, which makes you more involved in the sports, which makes you a better leader in your community, which makes you a better leader in your family, back to the visionary thread, all of a sudden your your legacy in these generations thousands of years from now, which we should care about, our families are going to be, especially if we teach our children to make sure they teach their children to compound these legacies around food, especially food, starting off with food, starting off with understanding farming and animals and our role in the animal kingdom, like Mark's doing. And we just talked about back to the boy scouts. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, I think that, we need to really look at this as humans. We have great responsibility, but we're not helping ourselves or our legacy and science. I don't care if it's robots or we're half robots or there's nanobots or whatever that are going to fix us. I think we want to be able to naturally grow on the road and we want to be able to have these bodies. If I really take it far in the visionary thread, of if we have to leave this planet, we're not going to be able to take all of that stuff with us. We're going to need to be able to grow stuff and have diversity to take with us so we can get that stuff naturally. Because what happens, great, we have a, uh, a 3D printer, but it works off this one wheat plant. Mm-hmm. Oh, that wheat plant doesn't grow on Mars, guys. But, you know, corn does. Yeah. Oh, f- stupid idiots. We bet it all on wheat. You know, okay, we bet it on wheat, corn, (laughs) and we bet it on wheat, corn, and barley. Oh, shit. But we should be growing rice there because, and you can't 3D print off of rice. Great. What did we do? You know, so it's like that. Oh, you know, we should, oh, the only animal that grows in space is rats. Shit. Maybe we need to eat rats. Like, I'm just like, we need to like think that way. And I'm not saying that rats that we can possibly as Americans fathom eating rats. But I will tell you, I've been around the world and I've eaten all sorts of food around the world. People put rats on a stick, they peel them, they gut them and they cook them on the barbecue and they put all the great flavors on them and they taste fantastic. Chipmunks, squirrels, rabbits, all those rodents. Guinea pig. Guinea pig. Yeah. Guinea pig's a big one. So it's just a mindset and it's being less fear, which is why Mark and I, and I keep saying I'm cutting Mark off for another one, but we'll get into this stuff. And we just sort of touched upon it, but we're going to talk about Mark and I on the next one, sort of fit tracks, but also get into Mark's mind on this diversity of food and the things we're talking about, because I think the audience is going to take real interest in fit tracks and what Mark's doing, especially as Mark's now able to start inching his way across the country and offering yeah. food to a larger audience. So, for sure. For sure. So Mark, as yeah. we finish off, will you give everyone your Instagram, the Instagram for your business, your, what your catering company is and where they can find fit tracks online? Yeah. Um, well, I just wanted to say thank you, Justin. This was awesome. Lots of uh, fruit that was being picked on both of us. So this is an awesome conversation and I'm excited to do more and share more with other people, like what's where this is all going. So, um, so you can find me, uh, Mark Riggs 25 on Instagram. 
Um, you can also check out Fit Tracks. Uh, that's Fit Tracks Meals, F I T T R A X, and then Meals and on Instagram, and then also online, fittracksmeals.com. Uh, you can go on there, you can pick and choose. That's where all of our ordering platform is for all of our fresh prepared meals. Uh, we do ship nationwide right currently, so um, anywhere we can do that. And then our, our catering company is. Uh, just Mark Riggs Catering, um, and that's kind of the greater Seattle area right now. And you know, you know, hopes to expand that as well and share share those private events with with more people um, across borders too. So that's a uh, part of the big vision there. So but, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's I love that. And Thank I you. think um, you know one of the things Mark and I have been talking about is Mark you know, getting onto your own podcast and starting to share all this wealth of knowledge you have and interest in food. So I'm excited to share more of that too, as we talk about that in the future. So I'm laying a big seed there and we've got some, (laughs) some watering to do before that plant grows for the audience. But that's awesome. Yeah. But, uh, we're, you know, um, as my directions changed and Mark and I have talked a lot more, I think this is really good for Mark to share from the food perspective and the chef perspective, some of the things we're talking about here and what he's doing yeah. with food. So in the diversity of food. So thank you everyone for listening in. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to schedule Mark for another one here right away, guys. So we'll drop another one as soon as we can right after this. So awesome. thank you guys for awesome. listening in. I love you guys for, for listening. And Mark, thank you. I appreciate you coming in and sharing all your wealth of knowledge and your business with us. So anytime, uh, brother. Thank you. And I appreciate you as well. So you're awesome. a, a huge, uh, huge part in, in my life. And, uh, you know, you've helped me out a lot. And, you know, being that mentor and a friend and, you know, we have good conversations. So. So thank you for all that too. So Absolutely. excited for everything coming down. Absolutely. Thank you. You've taught me a lot as well and mentored me in many ways. And I always feel mentorship is a two-way street. So yeah, anyone 100%. in the audience, that's it's very important. Find someone you can both teach and learn from. I think that's where you get the most value out of relationships. So yep. Yep. cool. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, audience. Talk Thanks. soon.